Hi, everybody. This is Kathy. And this is Todd. And welcome to our new show called Conversations with People We Love. Um, we're going to be speaking with authors, friends, philanthropists, you name it. It's basically people who are out there making the world a better place. Yes, these people inspire us, and we think they'll inspire you. And this program is brought to you by BU, Raising Whole and Courageous Kids. These aren't just workshops. It's a movement. Enjoy the show. All right. My name is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back Zen Parenting Radio. We have a special guest, don't we, sweetie? Our first musical guest. First of many. <laughs> His name is Jerry O'Keefe. He uh, just released an album called Whatever Suits You. He's a Chicago muse- musician, a legendary Chicago musician. Jerry, say hello. Hello. How would you define legendary, <laughs> by the way? Well, age. Um, yeah, <laughs> you got age on your side. Okay. Um, so I think we should just jump right into it, right? Well, yeah. Well, you know what I want to know, Jer? Yeah. Tell us about your, cause like Todd said, you're, you've been a Chicago mm-hmm. musician forever. Tell us about your first band, not the way back, sure, like seventh sure. grade band. You know, you don't want to hear about the neat beat. <laughs> huh? Okay. <laughs> what was it called? The neat beat? The neat beat. And then prior to that, I was in a band called Van Auken, <laughs> named after the street I grew up on. Oh, perfect. Cool. Kind of had like a Van Halen yeah. thing. <laughs> so, so we were, you Eddie? we're Van Auken. Were you Eddie? <laughs> No, there's a I was an Eddie. I was. Uh, you were David Lee. I was. No. I was uh, Eddie's son who hadn't been born yet. Uh, okay. Wolfgang. Wolfgang. Yeah. Wolfie. You know, Wolfie. I heard uh, Eddie is a jerk. I read. The I same. think he yes. probably has some issues. I'm well, going to go on a limb and say. I think Sammy. I'm going to say it's not all about the lead singers in that band. That's it's, right. I think Whereas, he may be part of the problem. Because if we had this conversation, say in 1986, we would probably say, "Man, David Lee Roth is just a wild card, and he can't get along yeah. with these two brothers." And Sammy Hagar has such an ego that he can't right. be their lead singer right. yet. Yeah. Who was the common denominator? That's right. That's right. So That's it's right. all about band. Halen. Don't forget about Gary Sharon of Extreme. <laughs> Who totally. only lasted one album. Oh my God, totally. And I lost. His, after, he's never even mentioned anymore. So I just thought I would. After fifty-one fifty, I lost track of the band. Yeah, the Gary. Did they even have a hit with that no, dude? No, no, it was a total flop. No, that's what I total thought. Flop. Anybody can have a flop, can't they? <clears throat> even oh. Van Halen. And and have and here's the big question: Has Van Halen made a comeback? I don't think the last album did all that well. Their and big that was comeback David Lee. Out. Yeah, so well, that was with so that David was Lee with Rogers, David. Yeah, but Michael but, Anthony is gone. Right, that's the problem. <laughs> I mean, he's the unsung hero well, I think, with his Jack Daniels bass. I know, but Sammy Hagar and uh, Michael Anthony took off. Yeah. And so Eddie and Alex were the only ones that obviously yeah. remained. Brothers, you know, till the end. They're um, the glue. They are the glue that makes so, everything stick. So Van Auken, so, no, so we Van don't want to hear no, about so, that. The so first Chicago band. The first re- real band um, I actually started in high school. We were called the Hideouts, and we started out, um, we were sophomores, juniors in high school, and we started playing dances. And, and <laughs> the few events and venues that would allow younger Right. kids to play at so we did a lot of stuff a lot of teen nights and things of that nature and um once we got kind of in the college years we started playing out a lot more and started playing bars and and larger venues still with and the hideout still the hideout basically the same guy four, four piece, piece band four piece band and um we persevered we started moving away from doing mostly covers you know, other people's yeah. music to, to playing more of our own music. And that kind of opened up uh, some doors for us. And we, we ended up doing shows with 
you know, people like Ralph Colvert and some of the bigger bands in the area at the time. Awesome. And, uh, you know, we had a, about a four-year run. Um, we put out three three EPs, which were really cassettes, because <laughs> cassettes were still kind of cool, or it was all we could afford at the time. Um, and and we, did you play any venues that some of our listeners will have heard of? You know, a few places that aren't around any longer. Um, Lounge Axe was kind of a big. Lounge Axe isn't around anymore. No, Lounge Axe is, is oh, gone. No um, that we, was a big place. That was a that was a fun fun show. We yeah. played China Club, which was one of the bigger venues at the time. Places like Elbow Room, Beat Kitchen, mm. Shubas. Oh, wow. Uh, Fitzgerald's we've played. Todd so. and I used to meet out at those places around 2 a.m. That's yeah. right. I said, yeah. I'll meet you out <laughs> after I'm done drinking with my buddies. That's right. Todd was super committed in those years. <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> Good so you may have witnessed one of our shows, but you probably wouldn't remember yeah. at 2 a.m. So. I know. That, that was kind yeah. of a theme to my 20s, yeah. as, as the rest of our 20s. Hey, can you play a gig drunk? Like, how do these rock stars play drunk? You know, it's a, I've never done it myself. I've yeah. had a pretty decent buzz, mm-hmm. a, few, a few shows, but to play, you know, to the point where you've just... You know, down you three, well, here's three quarters of a bottle of vodka. I couldn't, can't imagine. People like Lemmy... Motorhead. Yeah. Um, I was just watching a documentary, and this guy's always trashed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just drinks. And does he does play guitar? Gotten, yeah, he plays He plays bass, and he's the lead vocalist. He's, he's, his voice is oh, He does both? He's shredded. Oh, my gosh. He, uh, but if you, he's perfectly coherent when he, when he, pulls he talks. It he pulls it off. People have commented they, they just wait for him to fall on stage. And right. He always has it together, which, just, which might be worse because that... That kind of indicates there's a real problem. Right, there. yeah. Totally. So, but, well, but, I would think out of all the instruments, like <clears throat> I think if you're a drummer, you can get hammered and still drum. Yeah. But you're keeping the beat for the whole band. But it doesn't, I, I mean, this is my ignorant musician perspective, but if you miss a little bit, it's no big deal. But the, um, what's intricacies. the word? The intricacies mm-hmm. of your fingers with a guitar, I would think that it would be impossible to, I can't shoot darts after three beers, much less tell my fingers what to do in a very specific way. Right. It's weird. Good point. Thank yeah, you. I like I said it's it has not been part of my routine. Mm-hmm. Um but it works for some people, I That's guess. Right. You know, and, you sometimes know. I listen to podcasts um and I listen to them on one and a half times the speed yeah. just to kind of yeah. get through it quicker. Yeah. And every now and again when I'm switching from one setting to another, I go to half speed okay. and you sound drunk. So, <laughs> for the people who are listening to the show, if they want to hear us sound drunk right now, Go Stitcher. to half speed? Yeah, just go to half speed and we're going to sound like all sloshy. And no, dark. and if you go the other direction, we might sound more like the chipmunks. That's right. So, uh, interesting David Cassidy fact. I know a lot of your listeners are <laughs> huge, but when some of the early Partridge Family records, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm a big fan. But I had them too. They, I had Partridge Family. They intentionally sped up the recordings to make his voice higher so that he actually sounded younger than he was wow so i think i love you which was one of their biggest hits one of the biggest hits of the 70s is actually just they just tweaked it tweaked it just enough that his voice is a little bit higher Hmm. than it was actually recorded interesting trivia yeah yeah useless but hopefully interesting. but it can be used on zen parenting radio that's right um well i want to dive into a quick subject because i think this is obviously free-flowing conversation but 
um, when we thought about having you on our show, I'm like, well, what's the angle? What's the angle? And I really thought that the angle was you are a married man. You have two beautiful mm-hmm. children. We love. That we love <laughs> because we know them. But And you, you have a full-time job. And you had a band a few years ago, and that mm-hmm. kind of went in different directions. So you created your own CD. And we're going to talk about that sure. in a little bit. But w- the reason I think that <clears throat> it is valuable for our listeners to hear this is we all say we're so busy doing everything. And I guess I just wonder um, what's most important is that you still have the ability to do what you love. Do what you love to do. While at the same time being a father father, and a a bread winner. And I I think that that's something that I can certainly learn from. And I think a lot of other people can too. Yeah. So, you know, it's like one of those things. I don't want to get too deep about this year. Go ahead. (laughs) Get deep. But like, what would, if you weren't, if you weren't making music, if you weren't playing music, because you have gigs mm-hmm. all over the place and stuff, would your life be as full? I mean, you know, no, like, absolutely you, you, not. you need it, absolutely don't you? Absolutely not. I think it's, you know, I, and I know you talk about this on the show quite a bit, but it's it's my passion, yeah. you know, and, and I've found a way to kind of fit it into my life. At one point, you're 19 years old and, and you can get away with playing three, four nights a week and yeah. being out till 2, 3 a.m., and, you know, sometimes I would go to work or, you know, a, a, some bogus nine to five job the next day and I'd be fine. Right. And you get older and it becomes a less, I don't want to say significant, but a less kind of substantial part of your life where um, I had to get really creative mm-hmm. as to how I could still get out and play the occasional show um, you know, as Todd mentioned, I had been performing as part of a kind of a cover band. And what was the name of that band? That was called the Brill Babies. Gotcha. Brill Babies. And um, we, uh, like you said, just kind of fell apart. And that was becoming extremely difficult just, just to get together and practice and, and coordinate, you know, four or five different schedules. So um, after that sort of dissolved, um, I had kind of been writing still, you know, here and there and tried to come up with something that would make sense, something that I could fit into my schedule. So, you know, I would literally get home at seven o'clock at night from work, you know, see the kids to bed. And then I would go and, you know, grab an iPad and Mm. start trying to write lyrics or start working on a song. And it was a, a process that if you devoted nothing but you know, your, your open time to it would have taken a couple of days, but I had to spread it out over weeks and months Mm -hmm. because you're just trying to find those little chunks of time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's hard to get in flow. I mean, I've never written lyrics. Oh, that's my phone. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) I even gave you a warning. I'm sorry. (laughs) I, I don't write lyrics, but I write for a living. And when you're in flow, and a kid comes up and bothers yeah, you, you lose it. You do, you do. Or if it's nine o'clock and you've been working all day, you can't get, you can't bring that up. So it's a lot to say that you did all that after work because that's that's not easy. Again, I think it's you know if you really really are passionate about something, it's important to, to keep it keep it in your you know it's part of your life. And, exactly. And no matter how creative you have to get with scheduling or how exhausted you might be, you know. Um, once we actually got to the recording process, it was, you know, I, I would go again after a full day, you know, pretty demanding job, long hours, and I would go and do a couple hours, 
at a studio. And, and to be honest with you, it's the last thing you want to do right. at that point. But then you get there, you get in, you kind of get, get in the, the mode and, and you push yourself a little bit. So in that process, I'm sure there's certain things that you love to do and certain things that are just part of the business that you have to do. What are, so the writing of the music is something that you love to do, or is that something that depending on the day you like it or don't like it? It, it can be a very difficult and frustrating process. I, I enjoy it. Um, I probably have a tendency to overthink you know, there are people I think that might just sit down and crank something out. Mm. Unfortunately, I spend a painful amount of time, you know, questioning every word and every mm -hmm. chord and everything. But I, I do enjoy it. I enjoy the end result when when you've actually ended up with something that you're not completely embarrassed by. Yeah. So, so that's something that you like. What is <clears throat> which part of the business, and whether it's what you're in right now or even you know in your 20s or your 30s, which part of the business could you not stand at all? It's a good question. I mean, playing live is, you know, it can be the best thing in the world and it can also be one of the most disheartening Why? experience. Well, it, it, you know, it there's no consistency from show to show, night to night, venue to venue. So, you know, I've played plenty of shows where you are on top of the world because you're connecting with an audience right. and you feel that connection and you're enjoying it and... And uh, it's never something to take for granted. But I've also had nights where, you know, you play to an empty room or you play yeah. to a room full of people that you just are having a very difficult time connecting with. Or I and, have an example yeah. of when you were playing Elmfest <laughs> and you had some problems with the sound <laughs> the guy. sound is always a factor. You try as a quote-unquote professional, you try not to get too caught up on that. But there are factors like that, you know, you really, really... Um, you know, and I've I've been to shows where I've I've known, you know, you can tell when there's there's issues in the sound. Well, area the sound guy wasn't and, even paying. No, attention. he wasn't even responding. And like and, he was like drinking or talking to a girl. <laughs> he was totally and you were, drinking. And you're in the middle of a song trying to talk to this guy, <laughs> and he wasn't paying any attention at all. Yeah, that that can uh, kind of put a damper on the experience yeah. as well. Very yeah, good. for sure, for sure. But for more, you know, I think it really is about. Um, you know, just not connecting with, with the audience. I, I read a quote that stuck with me, um, Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders. I remember reading 20 years ago some interview she did, but she made a comment where she said, you know, we could be playing to a venue of 20,000 people and everybody's going crazy in the audience, but she'll notice the one person in the front row that's not. that's not. And that's what she'll dwell on for weeks and weeks after the concert. And I kind of feel that too. You know, I, I uh, you know, tend to beat myself up over the little things like that. You know, why wasn't that person responding mm -hmm. or why didn't that song go over? So, so Kathy, I, how would you respond to Jer or Chrissy Hines about that experience? Well, two I things. do agree. Number one, number one. Or are I we heard, both crazy? No, you're I not crazy. I, I think they're crazy. I, I have personal experience with this as well. But first I want to say that I heard Madonna. Um, I remember, I can't remember if I was at the show or if I read about it afterwards because I did see her once, but she there was a person in the front row who was smoking and not really paying attention okay. and she's totally started ripping this guy in front of the thousands of people who were there saying yeah. why are you in the front row you know you're bringing my energy down right. you're not right. even listening and you're thinking this is madonna you've got the world watching yeah. you but she is clued into that's, this one that's person that's what she's focused on that's what yeah. she's focused and what i will say to that 
is that I, again, different jobs, but I agree because if I write something and a lot of people can say nice things or send me nice emails, but if one person Mm -hmm. is either angry about it or rips it apart or or leaves me a negative message or says whatever, that's what lingers. And, and so people will say, well, you know, it's a, it's like the the one, get over it. But it's, it's like that one bad review we got for Zen parenting. Remember Travis Travis. and we were like, so focused on that. Where's Travis live? (laughs) I know I'm going to send my guys out there and you know, and it's silly. And, and, and again, that's what we, it's something that we needed to process through. It's normal. I think it's a human, mm-hmm. a normal human experience to sometimes the negativity hits you harder and lingers yes. longer. Yes. And it's very hard for us to accept compliments from people. We don't allow it to penetrate, yet we allow the negativity to penetrate. And it really is our practice to work on that. That's my deep that's thought. A great point. It's yeah. we have to that's not we shouldn't blame other people or blame the person in the front row smoking. We should just try and focus our energy elsewhere. But I am not saying that in a judgmental way because I need to work on it too. I think we all do. Yeah, we all do. Absolutely. Um, How would you, um, you and I have had an interesting start to our friendship. Oh yes, I love this story. (laughs) Um, So your, um, some of the bands that inspired you or that you're a big fan of are like the 60s pop. Right, How would you describe the, your style of, or what type of music inspired you? Um, Definitely pop very you know melodic i'm i'm always drawn to um you know bands and artists that kind of create those songs that just stick stick in the brain and and it could be some you know it could be bubblegum it could be a power pop thing but um yeah a lot of the 60s bands um you know turtles and and monkeys and birds <laughs> and bands like that you know have definitely been a, a big influence it's Really, kind of all about the song. Well, so. and you said monkeys, and it's funny because I did not mean any ill will with this comment. But when I heard that your favorite band was the Monkeys, I made some smart aleck comment like, um, "Oh, I thought you liked." But what's a real band that yeah, you like? Is band. what you said. And, and Noreen, this is when we had first met Noreen, who is Jerry's wife, was she was more upset than Jer was because yeah. it was like that's I, so offensive. And, and I've told you, I, I've glossed. I this I know has been has been kind of sticking with you yeah, for yeah. a number of years. Well, and I think it's I, funny I now. Like, it know, stuck I, with me for a while, but now it's more <clears> funny. But it's honestly because I thought there were more actors doing a TV show than they were a band. Mm-hmm. And that was my own ignorance. So, Jared, this is your this is yeah. your opportunity to tell people. Tell us about the monkeys so we understand. Well, yeah, I am without a doubt a monkey fanatic. And, you know, really, again, getting back, it, it, it it's all about the song. So, you know, nothing that happens in the background to me matters, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's what a lot of people are still, hung, you know, still the monkeys out was a TV show. Right. It was they. They didn't really play their instruments. They no, that's tr- not, that's not true. That's correct? not entirely true. Okay. I, you know, their first few albums, it was all studio musicians. They actually did make one of probably my favorite album of all time, Headquarters, which mm-hmm. was their fourth album, um, their third album. I'm sorry about that. You're gonna. Have <laughs> I don't to know how many of that. our listeners so, are going to really. Zone <laughs> Headquarters in. is their third <laughs> album, but but they actually played every note of that album. Wow. And and you can hear there's a sloppiness there. There's a, a lack of polish that there, some of their earlier albums had. But for me, the songs were so strong that it transcended any performance issues. Any you know 
flubs on the guitar. You know, it it, it all comes down to the song. And know, did they write awesome. their music too? They did write a lot. Of, a lot of my favorite Monkey songs were actually written by members of the Monkeys. You know, Mike Nesmith was a very prolific songwriter. Hmm. Um, another point of useless trivia is he actually wrote songs for people like Linda Ronstand mm. when uh, the Monkees were catching all the slack for, mm. for not being a real band. So, um, But really, yeah, you know, they had the best songwriters in the business backing them up. Mm. And I think that's what I've always connected with was, you know, you, you put the CD in or you put the, the needle on the album and the music is just... To me, it's it's as good as it gets. So, Jer, out of the music, because I know that you know all their albums and all their music, and so you probably have favorites that people don't know. Sure. But out of the more poppy or the more universally popular songs of the, that they had, the Monkees had, what's your favorite one? I, I know it's hard. It's like a all very, these. Um, you know, my probably all-time favorite song, and it's not one of their biggest is called The Girl That I Knew Somewhere. And Mike Nesmith actually wrote it. They actually play it on all the, all the tracks. It was a not a huge hit, but it was a minor hit. Of their biggest songs, I still... There's something about I'm a Believer mm-hmm. that even, you know, as we've all heard that song thousands of times, but every time I hear it, it still sounds incredibly fresh. There's still a vitality to it that no number of plays could ever diminish. You yeah. know, there's something they captured the, the energy of the recording, Mickey's vocal. It's to me, it's, it's a perfect recording. See, I think that my, bar any bands, my, I think my favorite sing-along song of all time is cheer up sleepy Jean. Daydream believer. Daydream, Daydream, believer. believer. Daydream believer. And maybe yeah. you can even sing a, a play a few chords of that <laughs> and I'll sing. You will. Yeah, I'll sing. All right. Okay, let's you, do it. You know, okay. Let's, all right. Well, I, can, uh, do you need to think about it? Or I, I, you, No, I'm going to play it and I want you right. to, to just sing do you need, do, it. So. Am I, do I have to sing too? Well, I might make up some of the words because I don't know them all. So we could start you off and okay, then you yeah. can okay. just run with right. it. So it's Very good. Okay, here we go. Oh, I could Neath the wind of the bluebird as she sings The six o'clock alarm would never <laughs> ring Sorry, I'm sitting across from Todd laughing oh, oh, I it rings and I run Right Wipe the sleep out of my eyes Okay, first of is all. That, is that a Zen parenting first? I first have to say that was not Jerry Todd O'Keefe. Scene. No. That was I, Todd Adams. That was that Damn was right. Actually, Damn right. I, you know what? Compared to uh, the, the uh, Borderline rendition I heard a couple That's years ago, right. that was actually pretty I stellar. Love that song. We have to repost that Borderline thing. Todd did a, he sang along to Borderline. And Todd got, or excuse me, Jerry got it on videotape. Yes, it's pretty funny. We'll post that on. So yes, moment. I think the monkeys moment was a little better. I agree. I, don't um, know. I missed. Uh, I missed up on one of the words. Just one. Yeah. Just you. Just missed one. Just one or two or three. <laughs> 
but you got right back on but track. But it is the That's six alarm. The six o'clock alarm could never ring. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? That's right. It didn't sound right coming out of my mouth. That's right. Um, one last thing about the monkeys. And then I have, okay, because I don't know where we are with time, but I have one thing that I want to say to Jared. What's, uh, my favorite monkey was Peter, and I get made fun of. See, and, and that is, a, that's, that's remarkable. That is remarkable. <laughs> it's one out of four. That's a I, problem. Why? What's the problem with Peter? He, he, Peter was like. Awesome. Peter I was know. kind of the. The dope. He was the weak link. He I, was the I, you know, weak not the, not, you know, they all had, they all played their part. Yeah, uh, you know, and actually, Peter, in his defense, was a was a pretty gifted musician. That, you see, I told uh, you. But as far as his contributions, I'd say to the mon- the entire Monkeys catalog, and he really didn't have a huge, you know, yeah. he, he didn't really contribute much songwriting wise. Uh, well, probably wasn't the best vocalist. They. You know, he only sang on a couple of songs, but or like uh, having a brand. You know, we were watching New Girl last night, and Schmidt was talking about you have to have a brand. Yeah, Davy, cute one, Mickey, funny one, Mike, the one with the hat. No, Peter, Peter was the funny big. one. Peter had bad hair. <laughs> no, Peter was funny. Peter was the dumb one. That was really oh, was his, that his thing. Well, yeah, he was sort of the Chrissy Snow of the monkeys. <laughs> I would say, so. Um, what were you going to okay, say? Okay, so I was going to say, again, where I, we'll, I don't... We'll okay. let you finish This up. is what I was going to say, is that, first of all, um, Jerry, he come, his family is very musically oriented, too. And so he has a son who plays guitar, who's very good and very young. I remember the first time we saw Owen play guitar. It was like two years ago when he was in first grade. And it was at this, like, talent <laughs> show. And all these kids were getting up and playing, like, chopsticks on the piano and, like, singing something similar to how you just sang. You mean my- they were awesome? <laughs> yeah. And yes. then all of a sudden, Owen got up there with his guitar and just <laughs> play started Johnny like, be good. play Johnny Be Good and sounded like he was like 20 years old. And I remember the music teacher goes, Owen, I didn't know. <laughs> I it had was, no idea. I had no idea. So obviously you have a talented son and I'm sure a daughter who is going to follow oh, as well. we'll but just a little fun fact for you music fans, especially Lollapalooza fans, Jerry is the uncle of Matt O'Keefe, who is a member of the Orwells. So for those of you who know a lot about music, the Orwells are very up and coming, wouldn't you yeah, say? Yeah, they are definitely on the way up. And they should thank Jerry O'Keefe oh, for of getting course. started off of on the course. right foot. For real, because didn't you teach them how to play guitar? <laughs> I, You know, I, I gave lessons to my nephew Matt, um, and then for a while I... Uh, gave lessons, bass lessons to Grant, who is their bass player, and See? they're both. But I honestly, they they, I, I showed them very little. They, if I taught them anything, it was how to hold a pick, and they just kind of went from there. So it's it's so amazing to see what what's happening with them, and yeah. I am couldn't be happier for all the success and and they definitely are are on their way up but no i can't uh i i knew them when that's about Mm -hmm. all i could say yes so So. this is what we're gonna do um we're gonna let jerry close out the song by singing one of his songs from his most recent album but before we do which is title we haven't even given the title of whatever suits you whatever suits you and you could can you get it on itunes you can get it itunes uh amazon uh cd baby um so yeah any any of your finer online retailers and for those of you that live in the western suburbs of uh, chicago there's a uh, there's one of the few remaining music stores it's called secondhand mall 
record Utopia in Westmont that they actually have some in stock there too. Cool. Awesome. What were you going to say? I was going to say also, um, and to know where Jerry is playing, because you really want to go see him play. And you can oftentimes, depending on the venue, bring your kids. Mm-hmm. We bring our kids a lot yeah. to see Jerry. So you should like his Facebook page also. Um, it's just Jerry O'Keefe, correct? correct? Yeah, just search for Jerry O'Keefe. Jerry O'Keefe, and it's with a G, not a J, and find him, and we'll post that on our Zen Parenting sure. page as well. But you need to like his page so you can go to one of his shows because they rock. All right, so we're going to uh, let Jared close it out by singing whatever song he chooses to sing off his album, and then that'll be it. We're not going to, this, is, we're this gonna is our sign off. Close it off. So, everybody, thanks for listening and enjoy this. So, I'm going to do this one. It's called uh, Stuck Still Not Even Slow.
Thank you. Thank you. That was fun. All right. Talk to you guys later. Adios.